Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rod Taylor, a.k.a. the Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Juwan, and today we have an amazing group of people, um, but we always do. Um, but I am joined with none other than one of the greatest interviewers of this decade. Tia, what's going on, Tia? How are you doing today? Um, I'm going to use my little bit to ask Dom, actually, have you watched The Two Popes yet? So I started to watch it last night, but it was like 3 in the morning, and I got about 30 minutes in and fell asleep, so I still have to finish it. <laughs> I don't blame you. At 3 a.m., that's, that's totally, <laughs> you know, acceptable. <laughs> Um, I'm completely lost, but yeah, no, that's no different than every, every other episode. Uh, it's, it's, it's this movie that came out on Netflix with Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price, and it actually was really good. My mom watched it last night and she was like, wow, those two deserve Oscar nominations. And they both are nominated for Golden Globes, which they totally deserve. So there you go. Perfect, perfect. I'll definitely make sure out of the a thousand things I need to check out, <laughs> I add that to it. Um, but also, I want to take this time to say, if you have not listened to Tia's interview with the Orlando Jones, yes, you heard me correctly. Tia's gotten bigger than ever before by interviewing <laughs> the Orlando Jones. Make sure you guys check that out. That is on all of our, um, wherever you hear podcasts. That's where you could find it. Um, but make sure you it listen was, to that. Interview. Go ahead, Tim. I just wanted to say really quick, it was fantastic. And if you guys didn't know, Orlando Jones is incredibly intelligent, very articulate. So you're just going to want to listen to it just to hear his voice alone. For sure. And he was very honest. He held nothing back. Um, so if you were curious, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, how does Orlando really feel? Now, he made sure you knew. So you don't have to work. Um, but, yeah, make sure you guys check that out. Huge congrats to you. It was awesome. Um, and, Dom, the second greatest interviewer of our generation. <laughs> What's going on, man? How you feeling? Man, it's Sunday. Um, I'm actually pretty, pretty awake and chipper today, so it's good. And I do want to say that uh, our, when – it was first tweeted that Tia was going to interview Orlando. I, I was I was so weirdly excited that I was I had to look around like, why am I so happy? But I've always loved Orlando Jones, and I was it was kind of oh, shocked that there was someone that big the, that you were going to get an interview. And then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, and like 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 Juwan said, he definitely was a lot more honest than I thought he was going to be. 
Yeah, there were times where, I, as you heard, I was like, I don't know if you can tell me this, because I don't know legal <laughs> stuff or anything, so I wanted to kind of tiptoe around that. And he was just like, nope, right. let me tell you everything. I'm like, all right, <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, but, yeah, like I said, that was a great, great, great interview, uh, Tia. So um, huge congrats once again. Uh, but we're also going to welcome in AJ. What's going on, AJ? What's up? What's up? What's going on, man? Just trying to get everything ready. I've been doing a movie marathon all day, and I completely forgot to. Movie <laughs> marathon or what? Huh? What are you doing? What are you doing a marathon of? Uh, the farewell. Uh, Pokemon. Uh, Detective Pikachu. Uh, Joker. And. Booksmart. Oh, so all the movies you saw, you're just watching them again um, for like your end of the no, year? No, no, I haven't. I didn't. I didn't see um, Detective Pikachu yet, or um, The Farewell, or Booksmart. So I'm hearing a lot. Of, I'm hearing a lot of blasphemy out of your mouth. The fact that you let Detective Pikachu go into theaters and come out of theaters <laughs> and you did not see it. I didn't have really? money at the time, so I couldn't go see it at the theaters. You bootlegged. I didn't just say that. But you <laughs> not you want to always yell at us for saying that on air. <laughs> don't worry. I'm going to edit that out. Don't worry. You want to hear that. Uh, <laughs> I myself have been... Um, oh, I, I and actually, the lineup. Oh, and the lineup? Okay. Um, don't get mad at me, Tia, but I've never seen Narcos. Um, I didn't even know who Pablo Escobar was, so I started Narcos. And I am wildly more attracted to Pablo. Um, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, not Pablo. Pedro Pascal than I was from The Mandalorian. Um, so that was very refreshing to see Pedro Pascal um, again. Um, but no, this show is amazing. Um, I'm glad I paid attention to it because now that I finished um, that arc with, with Pedro, and I'm moving on. I'm moving on to Mexico. Um, they actually mentioned Kiki in season one of uh, Narcos. Um, so yeah, so you know what's going to happen to him. <laughs> right now, I'm kind of like, oh wow, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I, I I love what they've been doing with Mexico. I did really kind of wish that the way Narcos ended, Pedro would have been in um mexico but then like it wouldn't have really made mm-hmm. sense i guess um and i'm sure after that pedro went on to do like the mandalorian so he was busy um but no yeah. it's a really great show i want to actually thank tia because if it wasn't for tia like raving about mexico um i wouldn't have been extremely interested in going back to see what what like the hype was about um so i'm glad i did so i've been watching narcos and vikings and Tia, I get your point now about Floki. I'm loving me some Floki. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get your point now. He would be my Joker too. I I, I feel you now. Um, but yeah, so shout out. I've been watching Vikings and Narcos. Very two weird shows to put together, but whatever. Um, but all right, let's oh, great uh, two great shows. Absolutely. Let's let's get right into it. Let's talk a little bit of um, trailer talk. I wanted to ask, um, Dom, have you seen Star Wars yet? 
Yeah. You have. Um, did you see it in IMAX? I did not. You didn't? I uh, the times the times I tried the uh, I think the times I tried to do IMAX, all the seats were filled up. So I had to go to a regular late show at like ten oh five and got out of the theater at like twelve forty five. Okay. Um AJ, did you see it in IMAX? I did not. Oh man. Okay, so the only reason why I'm asking I you guys in, is... I saw it in X D. In X D? X D. What is that? It's ba- it's basically like IMAX. Oh. Well the only reason why I was asking and Tia, you haven't seen it yet, right? Uh no, I haven't. Okay. Um, but no, I'm sorry. The only reason why I was asking you guys that is because if you saw it in IMAX, Christopher Nolan released a scene, not a trailer, a scene from Tenet. Um, and oh, it was intense. It was like breath grabbingly intense. Um, it was of course um John David Washington. Um, but pretty much what it was was a scene of them in an opera house. Um, and apparently these warlords were coming to either kidnap or kill someone. And John David Washington's team was um, tasked with coming in there and either rescuing or killing someone. Still, I'm confused about that. Um, but it was, it was pretty long and it was really, really, really good. So what he did was he showed the, the actual scene, like the entirety of that scene. And then he went through and played the trailer um, with it. So it was just so freaking good. But, um, I brought it up because it, it lends to the fact that Christopher Nolan might be one of the most big game directors I have ever seen. I have him on a higher level than what some people might consider the great and someone like Martin Scorsese. Um, Christopher Nolan has this ability to not only always keep you on the edge of your seat, but he is like the Michael Jordan of directing. And what I mean by that is when you when you're looking like, when you watch Michael Jordan play, you're always like, yo, I know he's going to put up a great game today. Like, I, I don't have to worry about that. Well, and so is Wizard Years. But um, when he was a bull, you knew he was going to put up a great game every game, right? And it was one that you could not miss. Christopher Nolan has been on that kind of streak since, since Memento. Um, and he has not slowed down at all. You can say whatever you want about the Batman trilogy. Um, I did have a lot of issues with it. But those were still great movie uh maybe didn't do batman all all the greatest but they were great movies um so see i actually want to go to you first um how confused were you when you saw the trailer to tenant first of all i have to say juan you and i will always agree to disagree about christopher nolan's batman trilogy but um wow that trailer for tenant um, first of all, like, I remember that the first time I saw Inception, I had to watch it a few more times to understand it, and probably still to this day, I don't understand a lot of it, and I'm looking forward to that with Tenet, because it is like, was it you who posted, someone posted this, where it was like, you can't get any crazier than Inception, and Tenet's like, hold my beer, because that's what it <laughs> felt like, um, just the scenes where things are obviously in reverse 
And then when the one guy says to um, I'm sorry, what's the the main guy's name? John David Washington. John David Washington. Did I get that correct? Yep, Denzel's son. Oh, okay. He um, mm-hmm. when the guy was like, "Welcome to the afterlife," I'm like, "Okay, what is really going on? Is he really dead? I don't understand any of that." Um, but the whole thing just seems like this mind warp that we are going to just have, like, we're going to probably be discussing this film over and over and over again. It's going to be one of those movies where you're going to have to go back and rewatch it, pick up some of the details that you obviously missed the first time. But I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued seeing Robert Pattinson in it. I love the scene where, um, you know, uh, the main character and the other guy are looking like, oh, what happened here? It didn't happen yet. Um, just wild. Um, I don't know really what else to say other than, like, first of all, visually, Christopher Nolan really is so masterful with his scenes and setting up and what he wants you to actually look at and the storyline. I It just looks so good. Um, to me, anytime Christopher Nolan puts out a movie, you're like, all right, let's buckle in. Let's see what the master has done. And as you said, he's probably one of the best filmmakers out there. And I would put him over some of maybe the more commercially uh, known directors just because Christopher Nolan really takes his time with his movies to make sure that each one of them comes out absolutely perfect. And I can't wait to see Tenet, honestly. I think it looks really good. Yeah, I, I would say, to me, again, this is just to me, what this movie seems to be about, like what the big thing seems to be about, is I believe they are they are somewhat traveling through pockets of time. Um, and I don't mean traveling like opening up a time portal and traveling that way. I think time itself reverses. But, again, if you guys were to see the clip, it looks like it happens in moments when someone's going to die or when their life is in danger, that time seems to loop itself. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm not, again, I didn't hear this from anyone or anything. It's just what I deduced from watching that, that scene that they put out. Um, But I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from this movie. I I, I don't, I don't know anything. I will say this. I could have sworn the report was Robert Pattinson was the lead. But in the scene and in the trailer, I see very little Robert Pattinson and a whole lot of John David Washington. Um, Because I remember saying Tenet was going to be my measuring stick for seeing um, how well Robert does action, getting me ready for him to be the Batman. Um, And it does look like he's going to have a significant role in it. I just thought it was about, the movie was about him. Um, So it was just weird, like, oh, it's, it's not. Um, but AJ, what were your thoughts on watching uh, the trailer for Tenet? Okay, so my first thoughts were that I, uh, my head just immediately went to like movies like Looper and Inception and even Interstellar. Um, of course, Interstellar and Inceptions are Christopher Nolan's movies, so of course it's going to feel like that at least a little bit. But overall, I just I. <laughs> I, I just wanted I oh I don't even know I can't I shouldn't really be overthinking this so I'm not even gonna overthink it at all 
Uh, I'm just going to let it happen just because <laughs> you guys have all these theories, and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening here? And, <laughs> and so I, right now my brain is just like, just let it be. It's Christopher Nolan. You already know he's going to do an incredible job. Um, it'll all make sense at the end like all his other movies do sometimes. But right now I have no idea I have no idea what to think of this movie, only that, only, besides, like, I want to see this now, and I will probably watch it five, six, seven, eight, nine times in the theater before it comes out on Blu-ray or anything, and then I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. I'm already, I'm already ready for this in general, so that's all I have to say. Yeah, no, I mean, it is one of those movies that looks like, I mean, I, I, like I saw Inception like a bunch of times in theaters, not because I necessarily thought it was one of the greatest movies ever, but because it was so confusing. I'm like, I know I missed something. Let me go see it again. And then by like the eighth time, I'm like, I didn't miss anything. It's just meant to be confusing. Um, like I give all, up. All like I just movies, said, all, I like that all his movies make you want to like think throughout <clears throat> the whole the whole process. Um, he doesn't give anything away, really, and if he does, it's so minor that no one would notice it until they watch it like seven, eight, nine times, and that's probably why I think he's one of the greatest directors ever, because he holds the suspense and keeps the mystery going, and rarely, any, rarely anybody can guess what the ending is going to be. So that that's why I'm most excited about Tenet because it looks like it's going to be the the same exact thing for this one as well. Yeah, um, I was just telling I was just telling Joel the other day the reason why Scorsese to me is low in my in my uh, list of greatest directors ever is because he sits in one genre. Um, yeah, genre that specifically yes. a genre that's dead. <laughs> Um, a genre that no one else really does successfully, might, might I add, but there's really not that big of a market for it. Um, but I, I don't like how the one time he stepped out of his comfort zone and did um, that animated like movie. Um, I don't even remember if that was um, if that was well received. Um, so I'm like, can he do anything else besides these mobster movies? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, those movies are freaking phenomenal, and I disagree with you, AJ. Um, the Irishman was was a, a stroke of genius. Um, I'm but, not saying I'm not saying that but, the Irishman was bad. I'm just saying it was a snooze fest. Like I understand, like all the technical process, the acting, and all of that was incredible. But there's no point of all that if if the scenes take like three hours each to just go on to another scene. It just it just feels so long. And he doesn't know how to let edit me, any of this. Sorry, I wouldn't say edit any of this movie, but edit this movie. Let me ask you this. Before this movie, did you know who Jimmy Hoffa was? I didn't. Okay. I think this movie really stood out to anyone who was alive during the time of Jimmy Hoffa. I spoke to my dad, my aunt, my mom, um, uh, you know, my grandmother. And everyone was saying how to this day, no one knows what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Everyone assumed he got, like, cut up and buried somewhere. Um, like, that was the story almost everyone told me. Um, but this movie stood out to them because everything they wanted to know about that, that time frame with Jimmy Hoffa, it explained it. 
that is what was entertaining to them. Um, to some people who maybe okay. uh, didn't know Jimmy Hoffa, what was entertaining to them um, was just seeing how corrupt that time was, um, which we know it was extremely corrupt because three of the most powerful men in the world, I'm sorry, four if you count Jimmy Hoffa, all died in the 60s. JFK, Martin Luther, Malcolm X, Jimmy yeah. Hoffa, you yeah. had Kennedy's brother in there. So we know how corrupt that time was, um, but it's just interesting seeing that time period um, seeing how those important figures kind of got knocked down. Um, like him saying, them saying in the movie, they took out a president. You really think it's, it's tough for them to get rid of you, Jimmy? Um, like that was, that was <laughs> genius because it was so believable. <laughs> they got rid of a president. Like, do you know how insane that sounds? Um, so, I mean, to me, that movie just stood out. Big time, um, because it, yeah, it's but a lot to me. Many other movies that can, there's many other movies that can do the same. I'm not going to say a lot of movies, but there are some movies that can do the same thing in a shorter amount of time. I just felt like he just wants to like keep all his scenes and not cut it down to... I just think it was just too long. Just basically, everything else I thought was incredible. So I'm not, not going to complain about the movie. Time wasn't an issue for me because here's where people think I'm crazy. I thought The Dark Knight was way too long. There were at least six scenes in that movie that did not need to be in that movie. It was extremely too long for me. I fell asleep each of the first three times I saw that movie. The Irish <laughs> oh, my God. Not one. Well, I'm sorry. When you don't do Batman correctly, it, it's really hard to keep my attention. But <laughs> um, this movie is gripping. From from the jump, like I wanted to know what was happening in each scene. Um, it didn't feel that long to me, to be completely honest with you. And as Joel, I fall asleep at every movie. Didn't fall asleep with this, um, you know, because it just it, I, it I good. You there, because it took me like two or three days to get it through. <laughs> it, it took me a minute. Nah, to get I. It. What <laughs> I did was I was up at um. I was up at midnight, and I was just like, usually people are like, if I watch at midnight, I'm going to fall asleep. Weirdly enough, I watched it at midnight, finished it all, didn't fall asleep. Fell asleep right after, like as soon as the credits hit. Um, but okay. I was okay. up. This, I was is, up this, is weird. this is weird for me, though. Like, I can stay up for like an eight-hour show nonstop. Like The Witcher, I just, I watched that throughout mm-hmm. the day nonstop, and it was like eight hours. Didn't get tired, didn't get anything. I just kept watching it. But three hours, <laughs> at three hours with the Irishman, I fell asleep within like an hour or two of it. And that, I just think that that's weird. Go ahead, Tia. It was three and a half hours. And to me, and I know this is probably not the point, but to me what was most distracting about the Irishman was the terrible de-aging. I'm sorry, that wasn't good. Right, it, as I was talking about with Brittany, it's like they pretty much did a Snapchat filter to blur out some of the wrinkles <laughs> in Robert De Niro's face. Like you could have gotten younger actors to play his character in the no. past, and just have no. Robert, De Niro, Robert no. De Niro. No, no, okay, no, no, no. Let me, let me, let me one second, okay? There was nice. one scene, you know, the scene I'm talking about, where he takes his daughter to the store because the store owner pushed the door, which I was like, what? The store owner pushing? Oh, the door? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, 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 my dad would have had a shit storm too. 
But he goes to throw the guy out, and he goes to step on the dude's hand. And, you know, I love Robert De Niro, but he's an old man. So he's, like, pretty much <laughs> tapping on but he's tapping on that dude's hand. And the guy's wailing as if, like, the rock just, like, put all the force onto that hand. And it's, like, it's unbelievable because of Robert De Niro's age. All right? He, he still has the body of an old man. You just blurred out some of the lines on his face. There you go. You look. Sorry. Look. I have to say that. No, 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 no need to apologize. You may be. You may be right, but there's no way. There's no way this movie is being nominated if you get any other actor to play a younger version of any of these characters. There's just no way. There's no one that could do what Pesci did, what Pacino did, and what De Niro did. There's no one. No, Pesci and, Pacino, Pesci and Pacino were amazing in it. They deserve Robert De Niro, again, love him. I just compare it to what Pesci and Pacino did. Pacino was amazing in it. That's no doubt. And Pesci was great, too. It's just I, I had a problem with 80-year-old body of Robert De Niro with, like, 20-year-old freaking wife, and like Hugh Hefner over here. It just, it bothered me. All right. I'm going to move on to Dom. Because we're just never going to, in that Dark Knight trilogy, we're just never going to agree about. But that's fine. That's that's what makes makes us, um, that's what makes us special. We all hold different things to a high esteem um, than others. So I hold this higher than the Dark Knight. You hold the Dark Knight higher than this. I appreciate that. Um, And... I'm going to go over to Dom. Dom, I actually gave you a shout-out on me and Joel's live. Um, someone on there was saying how much he loved Thor The Dark World. And as as shocked as we were to hear those words, I said, it, this still isn't as shocking as Dom loving Age of Ultron as much as he does. <laughs> um, that's so to me. I, I'll never get that. Um, but, but I'm like, hey, I respect it because it it takes a very um, secure individual to take a movie that a lot of people were like, nah, dog, and say, yo, that was my favorite. Like, I loved it. Um, so that's, I give you an abundance of credit for that, man. But, um, Dom, let's loop back around your thoughts on the first official trailer to Tenet. Um, so for me, I think the – the first thing after seeing it, and I, you know, I googled it to see like who I was gonna be playing in it, and I noticed that um, the music is composed by Ludwig Göransson, who you know did Black Panther, who's done The Mandalorian. So that automatically, I knew that with Nolan making films the way he does, that the music accompanying it would be a would be perfect. Um, but yeah, when I first when I first saw it. Um, First off, I was like, clearly, the new generation of actors, the lead, the leaders of it is Chalamet, Driver, and Pattinson, because for some reason, they're in everything, and it's kind of crazy to see the things that they pop up in that I'm not, I didn't realize that they would be in until I see the movie. Um, but no, yeah, I, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, so anything with time in general, uh, any I think besides like some of the the classic time travel movies like time machine uh anything that has to do with time i think i've seen or i've seen 
pieces of it or something because like the time travel type films um are hard to do specifically because no one exactly knows the right way that it should be done because what is time travel there's not a thing so we don't know how it's supposed to be done but this one looks very interesting especially since it's trying to prevent some global catastrophe um yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it though, especially because I'm like AJ. I'm I, I don't, I'm kind of confused on what exactly they're trying to do, but I think that's what makes it that much more intriguing. Yeah, I'd say what stood out to me the most was the scene at the end where they're like <clears throat> Pattinson's looking at the glass, the the bullet holes in the glass, and he's like, what "The hell happened here?" And John David Washington like so slickly goes. It hasn't happened yet. And then, like, you see right. a security guard, like, come in and start fighting them backwards. I'm like, this is going to blow my mind. Like, this is insane. This is crazy. And the, fact that, uh, and the fact that he had to, you know, apparently kill kill himself to get to the point to be part of this, whatever this initiative is, that I guess he, I'm guessing he was some kind of soldier or he's some kind of black ops group. And they were looking for the the most loyal of the loyal, and he's that guy. Uh, so yeah, it looks I'll really good. This. I'll say this, Dom, Tia, AJ, when you guys get a chance, because I'm sure someone had to have recorded it. Um, go on YouTube and see if you could find that scene, because um, I think it'll it'll, it'll it on IMAX tomorrow. Oh, perfect and perfect, because it'll help <laughs> shed some light um, on a lot of the questions that you guys have right now. Um, it, it shed a little bit of light for me. I'm still confused because that's just me as a as a person. I'm just generally confused. Um, but I think it'll help you guys out a little bit. Um, but all right, let's move on. I want to move on to A Quiet Place 2. We got a teaser. We know that John Krasinski is back directing. Um, he directed the first one, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's back directing. Um, we see the um, Emily Blunt back with her kids. Her two kids because they were irresponsible and lost one of them. But anyway, um, we see, uh, we definitely have to ask, like, who was the worst parent, them in that in that first movie, or Liam Neeson in Taken? Like, we, we definitely have to have that conversation one day. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, this didn't really tell us much. They're just walking slowly. Um, but I am really excited for this movie. I love the first one. I am so upset I never saw it in theaters. Um, but I saw it, and I loved it. I'm definitely not missing out on this one in, in theaters. Uh, Tia, what were your thoughts on the teaser for A Quiet Place 2? I think I'm with you where I'm saying that this isn't showing me a whole lot because, as someone pointed out, it clearly takes place right after the first one. Emily Blunt's foot is still wrapped up, so that's when she steps on that nail with still is like one of the most cringeworthy scenes in a movie ever to me. Um, so we see that they're walking um, just kind of on a journey and that doesn't really tell us a whole lot. Obviously they're no longer in sort of their safe space. Not that it was entirely that safe, but their safe space of their home. They no longer have uh, John Krasinski's character to help them out. And Emily Blunt is now responsible for taking care of her newborn baby and her other two children out in the world. I would have liked to see more 
uh, just because, and I know that it's a teaser, so obviously they're not going to show you a lot, but I'm interested in knowing about Killian Murphy's uh, character, and we obviously didn't see any of that in this teaser, so that's, I'm just kind of waiting for in a, a more, you know, official trailer, but I actually also just recently watched A Quiet Place. I did not see it in theaters. I didn't see it for a long time, and then I think around Halloween, I was like, all right, this is, you know, a horror movie. It's Halloween. Let me watch it. I was very impressed, especially because John Krasinski had directed it, and I really enjoyed it. It would have probably been really a cool experience to see in the theater, so I do regret not seeing it in the movies. But, yeah, so not a whole lot, um, you know, for the teaser, Again, it just felt more of an extension of what the first movie was. I kind of feel like it was just a reminder to anyone who enjoyed the first one. Like, hey, 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 you guys remember how it ended, right? All right, that's where we're at. Um, and that's pretty much, like, all it showed. Like, just just a refresher course. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I am interested in seeing what John Krasinski does um, after this directing-wise. I think John Krasinski could find a, uh, an amazing pocket in both comedy and um, horror. Um, I think those should be the pockets that he tries his best to stay within. Because um, I think he could make a huge name for himself as a director, staying in those two pockets and even finding a way to merge the two. Um, I think that'd be something he'd be great in. But, go ahead. It would be great because we are talking about, we just talked about with Tenant, the kind of new faces of talent out there, and this kind of also goes into the new faces of uh, those who are behind horror, such as Jordan mm-hmm. Peele, John Krasinski, so we're seeing this new wave of people who can get behind horror, and it will be interesting to see is this all John Krasinski has in him to do this one storyline, or will he move on and then do another horror movie, or even say something similar to Jack Ryan, which I know he didn't have anything to do with directorial-wise, but he was fantastic in it. So what if he decides to try his hand at directing more of a spy thriller? Yeah, I mean... I I think he's immensely talented, same as Peel. But I also also feel like if you're starting off as a director and your masterpieces so far have been in one thing, continue that. I'm not saying don't change because then I'd be a hypocrite. That's what I just said I hated about Scorsese. Do change. <laughs> um, I definitely want you to change, but I want you to to make sure you've built uh you built up a big enough resume because what I don't want is for you to go all right, I did these, you know, two or three big horror films. Now I'm going to do an action piece. And then it's bad. People are going to go, no, dog, only do horror. And I don't want anyone to box you in like that. So I want you to excel and then start to branch off. Because um, I think that's the best way to, to kind of launch yourself into stardom as a director. Um, you don't want to be typecasted as one thing as a director. You want to kind of branch. And I think John's background in comedy um, and his amazing work in the first A Quiet Place kind of shows that those two realms are what he should focus in right now. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't wait to see what else he does. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe he could direct the Marvel film uh, that he's actually starring in, The Fantastic Four. Who knows? The, the world is open. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, put it out so there. Who knows? Who knows? I'm throwing it out there. Um, but uh, Dom, um, actually, I wanted to say this before I go to you, Dom. I wanted to go to AJ because I wanted to say this. The biggest thing about A Quiet Place that I, I love was how refreshing of a horror movie it is because I did feel like we were entering a time where horror movies were um, dying. Because if you think about it, the best horror movies were indie films. Um, and not a lot of people see indie films, let alone horror films. Um, so I'm like, well, if you can't get, like, you know, a mainstream good horror film going, I don't know how much longer it's going to last um, before they just become these, you know, whatever movies we see two or three times a year. Um, and then Jordan Peele brought back a, a familiar feel. And then John with a, with a Quiet Place. AJ, do you feel as though horror movies were starting to become a lack of focus within Hollywood outside of, like I said, indie films? And would you credit its resurrection to Peel and, and guys like Krasinski and, and these other um, uh, kind of, you know, um, non-big budget um, horror films that we've been getting over the past past year or two? 100%. Um, with horror, I think it's probably one of the hardest, uh, no, it's not. It's probably one of the easiest to do for filmmaking, but sorry, how am I going to put this? All right, so it's hardest to do because all you can, the most you can do with like horror films is usually the cheap jump scares that everybody already knows, and it's the same gimmick over and over again. So with that, I feel like because every single person that was trying to do like a big horror at the time when it was dying, was doing those gimmicks because they didn't know what to what else to do. So with that, I feel like audiences, um, movie fans, and all that were starting to get that and just starting to think that, oh, this horror movie is starting to get boring, that horror movie is starting to get boring. So, And then once Jordan Peele came out with, uh, what was it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not us. Was it us? No. Get out. No. There we go. Get out, yeah. Huh? Yeah, get no, out. No, you're right, you're right. Um, um, and then everybody, he started to do, like, something new, something smarter with horror movies, and almost everyone, I'm not going to say everyone, but almost every person that watched that movie has started to get back, born, um, get back into horror movies, and then we have John Krasinski, um, we have James Wan, we have, uh, is it David F. F. Sandberg? Uh, We got all these directors that are doing horror, and they're doing something new with it uh, from movies like Get Out, Us, uh, Lights Out, just more, I think, the word um, smarter horror movies are coming out, and more people are liking it and liking it. With that being said, there are diehard horror fans that go back to like the original horror movie days where it was like all slashes and all that. And I think those type of people aren't getting the uh, rush like they used to do when they got like a Nightmare on Elm Street or. Um, oh my god, Halloween or anything like that is that adrenaline rush that those movies had and I feel like 
the smarter we get. Like with Get Out, it wasn't much of a sport uh, or horror movie per se, but technically it was. But many people didn't like get that rush that people that people did with like Nightmare on Elm Street. But with what's that movie called? I think the movies with like The Grudge that's coming out soon, um, Invisible Man that's coming out soon. I feel like the wave of horror movies is going to change again, and it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be more smarter than what we have, like, this, from this decade, um, smarter movies. It's going to be smarter and um, more of a rush for people well, that go on. I was just saying, like, I completely agree with you. I wouldn't mind, though, a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, from, say, like Nightmare on Elm Street, even Friday the 13th, Halloween, those I don't mind. Um, because I do think, even though we just had Halloween in 2018, but we really haven't seen a whole lot of those type of films lately. It's all been, you guys know, my problems with like Paranormal Activity, Annabelle, all of that. It's really been that pretty much in the movie. So the fact that you have, as you said, these smarter uh, horror movies coming out. I think that's really going to breathe life into the genre, but also by bringing in some of the slasher films back, then you also bring the older, uh, more, say, quote-unquote, purist type of horror fans back into the mix. See, with, like, the the hereditaries, I was thinking, I feel like the Hereditary yeah. is a good mix between, like, a good adrenaline rush and a smart movie at the same time. And I think with that, we're going to continue that forward within the next decade of horror movies and so on. So I think right now we are going to get a lot of horror, horror movies within the decade, and they're going to be popular with main audiences that are allowed to watch horror movies. I just think you have to be you have to be refreshing. I look at I saw Happy Death Day, um, freaking loved it. I thought Happy Death Day two. I thought maybe Happy Death Day two maybe didn't need to be made, but I still somewhat enjoyed that also. Um, So I'm like, I think I think everyone's starting to get back into the groove of figuring out how to do something well. We know LeBron's actually working on bringing back um, Jason. So we can expect a Jason movie to come out soon. Um, you know, if the estate allows it, maybe. Uh, you know. Say it again. I said I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> well, no, Le- LeBron, like he has his own. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not his own studio. Yeah, but I know. Own... But we're, we've been waiting for we've been waiting for um, Space Jam too for a while too. So. Well, we have <laughs> we have an official date for that, so we know when that's coming out. So it's not like it, we're still unsure about it. We know when that's coming out. I'm just saying it seems like everyone wants a hand in doing horror now horror. Uh, is yeah. the point I was trying to make. It seems to be popular again, which is good. Um, we're getting Scream again. We're getting Saw again. So like it, it feels like 2004, 2005 again, where some of these bigger franchises started coming out. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm excited for what A Quiet Place, and what Peel has been doing. Peel actually has a movie um, coming out the top of next year uh, with three women that are the leads. Um, I can't even remember the name of it, but blew me and Joel away when we saw the trailer in theaters. 
But um, but yeah, so huge shout out to um, Jordan Peele. He actually has a project coming out on Amazon Prime with um, Al Pacino that looks really good. Mm. Um, so huge shout out to uh, to Jordan Peele. He's, he's he's a working man. We need him to take a break and do gargoyles, but you do your thing, Jordan <laughs> Peele. Um, Wait, he's supposed to do gargoyles? No, 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 no. I'm saying we want him to take time out of his busy Uh-oh. schedule to do a gargoyle. Um, we need it. The, we need it, okay? We need it. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry. It's funny because I I never once really thought about a Gargoyles live-action movie because I'm like, I never really thought they could do it well. It wasn't until Jordan Peele expressed interest in doing it to where I was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, now's the time. Do it. Yeah, do it. Um, so it, it, once he said he, he would like to do it, I was like, yeah, it, it's going to happen at some point, but, um, Dom, what were your thoughts for the, uh, teaser for the, uh, A Quiet Place 2? So I, uh, haven't seen the first one, but, um, to kind of add on to what AJ was saying, because I'm a big horror fan. So I think what the difficulty has been over the past, like, 15 years is not being able to make a traditional horror movie, but the horror movies that were, you know, touted as, like, some of the best spoke to the time that the movie came out in and created a certain fear-type energy after you saw the movie. So, like, it kind of created the fear of clowns. Chucky had kids worried about their toys coming to life. Saw, you know, you're afraid of like, hey, if I'm living my life wrong, somebody's watching me, you know, not appreciate what I have and could snatch me up at any time, and then I have to make this hard decision. Um, so I think that's what the problem is. A lot of these movies were just like, I'm going to make this slasher movie, and then it has nothing to do with anything. But I think that's what um, why Get Out was so good is that it wasn't a traditional type horror film but it spoke to, you know, the fear of culture stealing and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. now that yeah. we have all these um, sen- uh, sensory thriller horror movies like Lights Out and Hush and Don't Breathe and A Quiet Place and Bird Box to where you have to, we, you know, we, we take it um, for granted that we can see and speak and do all these things, but what happens when you can't do any of those to communicate? And I think that's what makes those movies you know, terrifying in in a more of a cerebral sense than a visual sense. Um, so, like, I haven't seen A Quiet Place, but knowing what it is about and seeing how you have to try to survive through a time where you can't make any noise and you try to put yourself in that predicament, and it's like, how, I'm used to making noise. I, I don't, you know, I, I think I'm quiet at times, but what happens when I have to be quiet and it's life or death? So... With the, as many people liking the first one as I did, and I have the first one saved in my list on Hulu to watch later. Um, but I think it, it can't be um, – I don't think it could be bad. I mean, there's there's so much you can do and um, so much room to, to be original because there's not many people doing that type of horror that um, I think it will be really good. Yeah, it it, it it was really good. I do have one question for you, Dom. You tell me you saw Bird Box, but not um. Not a <laughs> box? 
<clears throat> well, Bird Box, I think it was a, a family thing around, like, Thanksgiving or Christmas. Whenever it came out last year, it was Thanksgiving, Christmas, one of those two. And then we all kind of sat down and watched it. So I kind of didn't want to watch it, honestly, because I um, I had seen um, kind of what the, the book was about. And I was like, I don't know if Sandra Bullock can really pull this off. I love, I love her, but this is not normally, like, her kind of – her type of realm, but I mean, it's still one of those movies that's confusing and you don't really know exactly what they were trying to do. I have the book saved in my audible list to to read so I can kind of see what the book's talking about, but yeah. Yeah. I, the a bird box was, was a, was a big old swing and miss for me. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was that was horrible. Like once they got to that ending, and I was just like, "All right, wait, what? What? So wait a minute, wait a minute. The whole purpose is no one, no one should open their eyes. And at no point did anyone go, yo, blind people might be like the the way to go. Like they might actually yeah. have, you know, significant lead on the situation. Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like a movie where you can't hear anything. It's like. No, I'd assume someone deaf would be like the first person I should seek out. Like they could help. Right. Um, yeah, no, that was that that movie was was so stupid. Thank God they're not doing anymore. Um, very good for you, Netflix. But all right, let's move on. I actually wanted to tell you guys before we move on to um, our review section. Um, I actually wanted to tell you guys something I was hearing, and I wanted to know what you guys thought about it. Okay, so this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing. When it comes to, and I know this seems like a huge shift in where we were, but uh, when it comes to the X-Men, right, I am hearing there is a possibility the X-Men have existed in the MCU this entire time, but S.W.O.R.D. was protecting their identities to prevent a, um, because something did happen with mutants back in the day, which could be to whoever, um, you know, could be the Charles and, and um, Magneto situation. But there was something that happened with mutants back in the day that S.W.O.R.D. then stepped in to help prevent ever happening again. Um, so I'm hearing there could be something that... Uh, there's a reason why Nick Fury is with S.W.O.R.D. now, um, instead of trying to resurrect S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything like that. Um, so I was just curious, T, I'll start with you. Would you be okay with that, or... or is there a specific way or a different way or a better way maybe that you'd like to see the X-Men introduced? First, I have to ask, I am not overly familiar with who S.W.O.R.D. is. I know I saw something where they said they're probably going to be in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I kind of just assumed, okay, they're just, I guess, another military faction. So could you explain that really quick for me? Yeah, so sword pretty much is a shield, but for outer space um, and less corrupt. Oh. Uh, so that's pretty <laughs> much all it is. Um, Captain Marvel had a huge hand in um, creating, well, kind of not necessarily creating, but maintaining um, shield. I'm not shield. I'm sorry, sword. Um, but yeah, pretty much it does to aliens what shield did to terrorists. Um, so that's pretty much all sword is. Um, so it would make complete sense that S.W.O.R.D. would have an eye on beings that were, um, you know, not human. Um, so it would make sense. But again, way out there theory. But yeah, so 
sword essentially is a shield, but for outer space. Okay. I guess that would make sense. Um, I always thought, and I think that you and I have spoken about this and you didn't necessarily like the idea, but I always kind of just assumed that maybe mutants were simply their gene was uh, triggered due to the snap um, and that none of them had shown any of that sort of uh, abilities previously because it is a little difficult to explain how there's a huge group of people with insane powers and they've never popped up. There's never been any mention of them. They've never been involved in any sort of battle. Um, So I always thought that, you know, you could just explain it by saying, you know, essentially they weren't kind of around uh, up until recently. But I, I guess if it was done properly, I'm sure that Marvel knows what they're doing, where they would explain that, hey, yes, they actually have been around but they have been shielded essentially um, for their own protection. And now they're going to slowly seep out because I mean, if you think about it, Kevin Feige uh, has said that mutants aren't really, you know, X-Men aren't really going to be introduced for say a long while. So by the time they're introduced, it's going to be then I guess even more difficult to explain where the hell they've been this whole time. So I guess that's that's a uh, an explanation. I'm not loving it, but I'm not hating it at the same time. The only issue I had with uh, your idea for it is if you do that, it completely dispels Charles in um in in Magneto, mainly because they were supposed to be the guys that started it. Um, they went through it all, they've been through it all, so that's how they were able to become teachers in their own respective ways. But if you're telling me now, they just now, all of a sudden, boom, they now have their powers, you'd have to tell me that that happened um, a long time ago, and then that means it, can be, it could not have been affected by the snap. Um, I don't want the idea of those two to be introduced uh, as in you know, oh, nope, they, we just created uh, Magneto and, and Xavier. Like, I need them to have been around. But that's why I'm saying, if you haven't, like, remember what S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed to do. S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed to hide things like the Avengers. In the comics, that was one of the things that it did. But obviously, Feige took the more New 52 route. Uh, not New 52, I'm sorry. Ultimate's route. It's where the world just knows who everyone is. And it's just like, I really hate that Feige. <laughs> like... I really hate that Iron Man just came out and was like, no, I'm Iron Man. Like, yeah, what's up? Um, but yeah, I um, I think if you go the route of saying that an incident did happen, and that's why uh, Sword stepped in to hide their identity to prevent another huge uh, attack like that, kind of could, could be passable. I'm not saying it's the best. It just could be more understanding. I will say this, with Kamala Khan coming, you'll have to explain mutants a lot sooner rather than later. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But, um, Dom, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how they could do it, like, with, in a clean way. I mean, I don't know if they could probably kind of pull a, you know, days of future past type of thing where they knew something was going to happen and then they secretly had a pivotal role in helping – you know, all of this stuff unraveled the way it did. We just didn't know that it happened. 
Um, or, I mean, they, I mean, technically, you know, Quicksilver is kind of a, is, you know, him and Wanda are, are mutants and not really whatever they said that they were supposed to be. So I don't know if that could be like a, you've been here the whole time, you know, Wanda and, and Maximoff, Wanda Maximoff and the brother, you know, were here this whole time and we said that they were inhumans instead of mutants. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they try to flip it and say like inhumans was a code word and they, they were really human or mutants this whole time. But uh, it's definitely going to be interesting the, the, the way they try to play it out. I mean, there's an infinite number of ways, I guess, that they could do it. Uh, it was just one that is either, A, you want to satisfy the fans, or you want to make it make sense. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. That's uh, really interesting. No easy way to do it. Uh, the way they did the Maximoff twins was, uh, essentially how Tio wants them to do um, all mutants. Um, their powers were brought out. Um, they weren't right. born. Like this. Their, their powers were brought out of them, um, which I hated because I'm like, you want to do mutants so bad, but you know you don't have the rights to it. So why are you doing it? Why are you going so far to bring in two characters that you do not need to bring in right now? Um, and, well, and it's still... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I wasn't necessarily thinking of um, like Wanda and Pietro. I was more so just kind of thinking of what they did with Deadpool. The the idea that the mutant gene is there. Not everyone has the mutant gene, but it needs to essentially be manipulated and mutated. Yeah, but that's 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 what I believe Baron Strucker said he did with with the Maximoff. I believe he said. They possessed some kind of power, but they hadn't been able to unlock it. He used the uh, the stone um, help, like, enhance and then, like, properly bring out their powers. Is is at least what I think I remember, but I, I could be wrong, Tia. Um, but I believe that's what he said, that he manipulated their abilities to properly bring it out of them. Um, but regardless, it's it's it was a stretch. It was a huge stretch and, uh, and a necessary one. Um, at that, so it'll be interesting to see how they shift her into becoming an X Men, uh, a mutant rather. Sorry, um, and I think Strucker called them uh, Dom enhanced or or something like that, not inhuman. Right. Um, they, he called them something, the gifted or enhanced, something like that. Um, but it was just I think a huge. It was yeah, it was another reason, Dom, why I hated Age of Ultron because it was such a large. <laughs> That was just so unnecessary. Like, out of all the other adventures you could have brought in, why did you try so hard for these two? Um, yeah, but that's, yeah, that's one thing I didn't I didn't like that we and had. And then um, one off. And yeah, because we had two Quicksilvers at the same time, and I was like, why did you do that? Like, we have one in you know X Men, and then we have one in Avengers, and I that's one thing that always irritated me, and the, the fact that um, that you know Wanda. Is supposed to be um, in there, like oh yeah, because in, in X Men there was no Wanda, but then you have it in yeah, it pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was just like they were trying to do too much, and it was just like all right, hold on now, like wait a minute, hold on, like stop it. It was just bad to me. It was just bad. Um, but again, why Age of Ultron is 
at the low of my my list of inferior. But anyway, AJ, um, what are your thoughts? Okay, I was on silence the whole time when y'all were talking because I had to take a deep breath for a little bit because I have a theory that might hold up. I just thought about it for like two seconds, so there might be a lot of holes in it. So, I think Quicksilver is going to come back. I think Wanda is going to die, but she's going to come back. And I think for X-Men and all that, I don't think they're going to be part of um, Earth 616. I think that's what the movie place is right now. I think they're going to be on another Earth or another reality. Um, And I'm going to guess I'm going to gamble my guess on that it's all going to happen during WandaVision and Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. And then something's going to happen to uh, Wanda. Um, she's going to, I guess, bring forth a new multiverse or a new universe. I know everybody's going to hate that, but I think she's going to bring forth a new reality or something. And then that reality will have, like, X-Men and Fantastic Four and all of the Netflix characters are going to be on the series so like um, who's going to be on Netflix? Um, Moon Knight, um, She-Hulk, uh, Disney Plus. Oh, God. Huh? Disney Plus, not Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so I think all the new characters that that Fox has is going straight to Disney is all going to be part of a different universe, but within WandaVision uh, WandaVision and like Dr. Strange, all that is going to collide with each other and they'll, will be introduced with, uh, introduced to like newer characters from like the X-Men and we'll have Charles Xavier and now I'm drawing a blank, um, Magneto and, so I think that Wanda's going within WandaVision, I think Wanda's gonna bring back Quicksilver, but Quicksilver won't be in this um within six one six, but in another universe and that's gonna be Child um not Charles, um, Magneto's kid and then Wanda's gonna die and then be reborn. <laughs> so this is this is just out there right now. Be um, it's gonna be reborn as one of um Magneto's child. I'm definitely overthinking this, but I think that the X Men and Fantastic Four and all that's gonna be part of a different reality, and not at all part of our Earth Six One Six. All right, so I like where your head's at. So let me play with this a little bit, and then and then let's move on because I could I could theorize all day. Um, I'll play with this idea a little bit. So House of M is an actual comic to where Wanda is supremely opaque. Um, So I see her opening up pockets of dimensions in a multiverse of madness, right? So they're not going to kill her because she's, besides Captain Marvel, she's their most opaque. So they're going to hold on to her. That's why I I said that she'll come back. She'll die for that movie, but she'll come back. See, but what I think is going to happen is I think the end credit scene of that movie could be, not will be, could be, she opens up a pocket of of another dimension, outsteps um, her brother, right? And that's all we see is outsteps her brother. But it turns out 
not the brother that she knows. It's a brother from a different dimension that is the actual son of Magneto. And in that universe, he lost her, and in her universe, she lost him. Brings them together. And Magneto finds that his daughter is back. Doesn't know how, but finds out that his daughter is back. And, um... And wants to reclaim the uh, the t- uh, you know reclaim the time that he lost with his daughter and obviously Quicksilver with his sister. That then bridges the war between the X Men and the Avengers because the Avengers are going to tell her you got to pick a side, and she then can't because she sees her father and her brother, and that bridges the war between our eventual uh, like eventually when we get to X Men versus the Avengers. AJ, me and you are going to talk a little bit more after the show. Um, all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to play around with that because I like that. We're going to play around with that. But all right, let's move on. Let's get, head on to our reviews. Dom, have you finished The Witcher or even started it? I've, I've uh, finished the first two episodes. That's about it. Okay. I want you to mute yourself so we don't spoil it for you unless you don't mind. <laughs> all right. Because um, I don't mind. want it for you. Same way I'm going to have Tia mute herself for Star Wars because I don't want to ruin that for her when she eventually does see it. Which better be soon, Tia. I'm going to fight you. Um, um, Tia, I'm actually going to start with you because out of the three of us, um, not counting Dom because he's only seen his first two, but out of the three of us, me, you, and AJ, you actually saw majority of season one of The Witcher before the rest of us. Um, so what were your, your thoughts on... Um, Season one. Yes, so I was given the privilege to watch the first five episodes before the show actually came out, and I probably watched those first five episodes about three or four times just because I really wanted it to sink in. I really enjoyed The Witcher. I think that Henry Cavill, they couldn't have picked a better person to play Geralt of Rivia. Um, Obviously, the first episode had to explain everything, but and I'm only using this because I see this a lot in reviews. Obviously, people are comparing it to Game of Thrones, but whereas Game of Thrones really took a long time in its first episode to explain a lot, I felt more happened in the first episode of The Witcher. Like, maybe the first half had to explain everything, um, but we obviously saw then in the second half how real shit got. Um, The fight choreography is just top-tier fight choreography. Holy crap, the the sword play in that first episode between Geralt and um, Renfri, beautiful. When she took the two swords and swung them around as if it was like one sword and then split them back, it very much reminded me a little of Daredevil season two when Elektra did that with her little uh, swords or whatever. I forget what they're called, but it very much reminded me of that. It was so beautiful. I loved all the characteristics of Geralt, um, you know, his low grunts and his behavior. And I kind of also liked how, yes, he's a very serious and stoic person, but there also was a little bit of humor every once in a while that came out from him, um, especially when we see the scene where he's at the wedding and it kind of like 
shits on all of those guys who are bragging about killing some sort of monster. I, I just, I loved it. I love the monsters, the mythology. I love getting to see uh, the real mythology of, say, the witchers. I loved how they kept saying um, that witchers didn't have any emotions. But to me, everything kind of showed that that was the opposite. Maybe his emotions weren't as uh, upfront as maybe, quote, unquote, normal people were. But he certainly had a code. He never wanted to kill someone who was, say, cursed. It happened with that one princess, and it happened with that one knight at the um, at the wedding. So I liked being able to see that. He was just utterly fantastic. Amazing to look at as well, obviously. Uh, the costumes were the costumes were fabulous. Um, but I ha- and and we could talk forever about. Geralt and Henry Cavill and Yaskier and everything else. And they were all fantastic. I mean, if I have to say my only real criticism of the show was that the CGI was lacking at times, but I have to talk about Yennefer. Anya Kalotra is a goddess. I mean, I loved, and this is, I knew nothing about The Witcher, so I didn't know that she had a hunchback and um, like a, a something you know wrong with her jaw or something. I loved her story. Seeing her being thrown out by her own father for being you know quote unquote so hideous and essentially looking like she wasn't really getting a hang of this whole witch thing. Um, and then for her to go from that to probably the most powerful mage. It was so beautiful. Every scene that she was in, she commanded the screen. It was insanely beautiful. And there were some really, like, hard-hitting scenes in this show, especially towards the end. You see the first episode where the queen literally jumps off a balcony because Sintra is being taken over. And you find out later it's essentially because of um, that scene at the wedding. Like, so much came back from the wedding when the uh, prince of Nilfgaard wanted to marry the daughter and they essentially laughed him out of the castle. But everything was so beautiful. I mean, seeing uh, Yennefer desperately attempting to save that baby and it not working. And you think, oh, my God, they killed a baby on screen. Like, for me, I was like, holy shit, they went there. Um, and seeing the first time that her and Geralt met and we see, like, I'm trying to, like, swing in a bunch of different directions. It bothered me at some point, I will say this, it bothered me at some point that her main mission became um, just essentially wanting to be a mother. I felt that it was a little, I don't know, simple, but then I went back and watched, and it, and it all stems from her losing that baby to her revealing to Geralt that she always wanted to mean something to someone. Um, And so we really see that that's where her push and her drive is for that. Um, It was just, everything was so intense. It was so beautiful, so tragic in so many senses. I mean, the, the show really had the ability to, have my jaw on the floor 
in the one scene where um, Princess Cirilla is taken in by those other Sintra survivors, and they're trying to leave at night, and that one woman who took her in is being so cruel to, um, you know, the dwarf, and he just starts stabbing her. I was like, oh, my God, this is so violent. Um, And it was just, it was insane where the story went, and a, a little confusing at times. Obviously, you had to, you caught on at some point that there were multiple timelines at work here. Um, so it was very, but hey, I'm a fan of Westworld, so I'm an expert at confusing <laughs> timelines. So, and the way, the way that they ended it, though, I was so frustrated, but not, I guess, in a bad way, where I was like, wow, they really spent the whole entire first season of Geralt um, trying to find Princess Cirilla, and they find each other literally at the last second. You have no idea what happened to Yennefer. And then Cirilla, and at this point, Geralt and Yennefer are on the frisk because she found out that Geralt used the wish to essentially bind them together. Um, and you think that they're not going to really have any sort of interaction after that. And then Cirilla just going, who's Yennefer? And I guess the only thing that's not frustrating about it is knowing that there's a second season, because if that wasn't renewed right away, I would have had a shit fit. Um, but, yeah, just so much intensity to it. It wasn't afraid to really just kind of be very, um, I don't know what's the word, but there were some scenes that were so stark and so like like the scene where essentially those girls get turned into eels. And even something as simple as that, you think that they're never going to touch back upon it. And then Yennefer comes back and says, my sisters are still like this. Um, and it's just, it was beautiful. I'm probably rambling at this point, but I absolutely love The Witcher. I think that the characters were so, so well done. And even uh, Yaskier, who at first I was a little annoyed by, just because it always seems a little odd to me when you introduce this overly jovial character in contrast to the very stoic character. But then I ended up very much liking their little disgruntled uh, friendship there. So I loved it. The costumes are amazing. The soundtrack was beautiful. Um, the storyline was gorgeous, just and the fight choreography. Above all else, the fight choreography was absolutely fabulous. So, and I will say one thing before I end my speech here, but I did not like the queen. She really annoyed me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that is my Witcher review. No, I, I I love where you went with it, T. I will say one advantage is if you play the game, you know how crazy they um they potentially could get with this with this show and i'll say this to you you've seen nothing yet in the game <laughs> they resurrect babies but they don't come back as like what you remember them looking like they come back looking like these little like um demon things like it gets really mm-hmm. insane super crazy and then in the game you have to kill that said baby like it gets crazy um, so I can't even imagine. That's why I wanted Mike on here, because um, he actually reads the books. I can only imagine how crazier the books are from the games. Um, but yeah, it, it gets really, really, really crazy. Um, but AJ, what, what were your thoughts on this first season? 
Okay, so so I put out a tweet that said that I prefer season one of The Witcher over season one of Game of Thrones. And I didn't realize how big that was going to get, and it just blew up. I got a bunch of hate mail saying, oh, no, Game of Thrones is the best ever. You just started The Witcher. And many other people are saying, yep, I agree. I love The Witcher over Game of Thrones. And that I don't agree with. I disagree that season one of The Witcher is better than season one of Game of Thrones just because I think they developed and introduced the characters in a better way than they did in season one of Game of Thrones. Granted, Game of Thrones had more characters to give than The Witcher. But nonetheless, I still love the character development, the character interactions, the world building of The Witcher from the magical elements, the monsters, the abilities, um, humans, all, all the races. And I just felt like all that was melded in together perfectly in the first season. And just like Tia, I was as frustrated as her because I wanted to see more immediately. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I'm mad at Netflix for not making this like a weekly thing because <laughs> I honestly prefer that because eight hours in one day and now it's over. <laughs> and <laughs> I just ruined everything for me, even though I loved it so much. I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted to marinate. But I didn't get that because I'm spoiled and I want to watch all of it. If it's there, I want to watch every single episode. <laughs> so, but either way, um, I agree with everything Tia said. Besides not liking the queen, I actually liked the queen. Um, she was a bitch. That's, that's fair. <laughs> there, there. <laughs> that's nothing to argue right there. But I just thought her character was incredible. Um, Jennifer, uh, I think she is the. She's my favorite character out of the whole series. Um, her character development throughout the series I thought was the best, even over the main character, um, Gerald. Gerald, sorry. Um, the music, I love. The timeline, the action, the action, oh my God, I can't talk. Choreography. Um, the cinematography was probably... The cinematography kind of reminded me of um, Sabrina a little bit with, like, the magical elements and all of that. Um, what else? The sword play. Uh, now nah, I'm just rambling over now. Overall, <laughs> I thought this was, probably, this was probably, like, the best start of a series I've seen in a while. And if they continue to do this throughout, if they're going to do, like, season two, three, four, five, as may just keep up this quality of work or do even better. I honestly think this might be the best series I've ever watched, even more so than Game of Thrones. And trust me, I love Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add. You guys did an amazing job breaking that down. I don't have much to add to that. But I will say everyone who's saying this this can't be as big as Game of Thrones, um, I, I just say you're only saying that because you don't know the story of The Witcher. Um, and if you know the story of the Witcher, it completely has the ability to be as big as um, Game of Thrones. Now, I will say, obviously, HBO is a way bigger um, budget, probably, I would assume, a way bigger budget than um, Netflix has. So maybe that lends a little bit to it. 
And I will say, I just think watching... The Witcher season one had a bigger budget than Game of Thrones season one. I think Game of Thrones had a sixty million budget. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean the show in total, mainly because HBO oh, didn't okay, really okay. believe in. Yeah, it didn't really believe in Game of Thrones. Um, in that first season, the the uh, when it went off or whatever his name is. Uh, those guys even said it when they went on um, Jimmy Kimmel. They were like, nah, they saw the first episode and they weren't sure. Um, so I believe that. I, I believe they didn't give much. But you can you can bet that that budget went up right after season one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this, this I absolutely has um, the ability to do the same. Because remember, Game of Thrones is word of mouth. Game of Thrones, I do not believe, was a huge, humongous hit in the first season, I think a lot of people were like, yo, the show is great. You should watch it. And then it just caught on um, and then caught fire after that. Um, but yeah, this was a phenomenal first season. They did a great, 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 great job. Um, and what made it more fun for me was I've been playing the game um, leading up to the show. So it's like, I, I'm refreshing myself. I'm like, yeah, this, this is what I expected to see. Um, him using his, his abilities, was always well done. It didn't look bad. Um, and the, the, that one sword fight, that one sword fight at the end of episode one was better than any sword oh, fight in all of oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. It was all it was one beautiful. shot. It was all one shot. Like, that was all one mm-hmm. shot. It was easily better than anything sword-wise. I'm not saying story or anything, just sword-wise that we got from Game of Thrones in its entirety. It was that freaking Absolutely. beautiful. It was so good. I remember at like eight different points, I'm like, why isn't this longer? What? Where's Where's more bad guys? Like, what? Why, why aren't more people looking to get their heads cut off? Um. So it was very, very, very well done. My only <laughs> issue is, like I said, there wasn't more from that scene. But um, it opens the door for season two, because I, I I can almost guarantee you season two is to make sure we get a lot more action. Um, and I'm here for it. I cannot wait. Um, Uh, Can I ask you a quick question? Because I remember you and I speaking before uh, the full eight episodes came to Netflix, and you asked my opinion, and I had mentioned, say, the CGI, and you go, um, if the CGI isn't good on the monsters, because it's all about the monsters, just throw the the series away. Um, What did you think of the CGI with the monsters? Well, I'll tell you this. The only game of The Witcher I've ever played was Witcher 3, and that has monsters mm-hmm. up the wazoo. So I felt like we didn't get enough monsters. Like, we didn't get enough for me to really, really judge it. Um, I thought the dragons looked a lot better than I expected them to look. I was like, whoa, hold on. This looks pretty good. Um, the monster at, at, at episode one I thought could have looked a, a lot better but again, that's why I said it goes to my ignorance because maybe, maybe some of the monsters look like that in in the first two games. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, maybe I just didn't see that in the third game. Um, but no, I mean, I I thought we get a lot more monsters than we got, but I think this season was about building a story. Um, and season two, they can get a lot weirder. So I, I think I'll reserve my judgment for season two, Tia. But from what I saw, it was, I mean, the dragons, 
gave me more faith because that first monster looked pretty bad. It looked like there was a guy in that costume, maybe. Um, <laughs> but they, it progressively got better. Um, but again, I, I'll, I'll retract my words. Once I saw Henry, like once I saw him speak, and then once I saw him, you know, like, you know, his action sequences, I'm like, if the CGI is bad, I think I can live with it because I really like Henry Cavill. Like, I'm really liking this guy. Um, He's so, so good at probably, his role. I mean, I'll tell you this, and this is my last point be- before we move on. I thought Tom Hardy was the only one that could grunt that well. Henry Cavill's <laughs> giving Tom Hardy a run for his money. I've never seen someone <laughs> grunt that well. Like, he's, uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, go get in your grunt bag, Henry Cavill. Let DC know you can easily go be Wolverine. Like, let them know. Um, so, like, I John Burnside does a good one, too. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Well, here's the thing. I've never heard John Burnside say actual words. I, it, it only sounds like he grunts. <laughs> um, so so that, that's what I hear every time I talk. Um, but, no, I, I think we all can oh. agree this Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I will say, since I've only seen the first two, what mm-hmm. it did remind me of uh, was two shows that I loved as a kid, uh, which was uh, Hercules and Xena, Warrior Princess, uh, yeah. with all the mythology and the fact that you're on a journey that kind of makes it feel like every episode is a little different, but they all cohesively come together and you don't kind of realize it until you've watched more episodes. Um, so that's automatically when I kind of felt that feeling, I was like, oh, I'm going to love the show. Yeah. i tell you what, Dom, it, it gets a lot better, man. It, get, it gets a lot better. Like I can't wait to hear your, your take Dom, on both. Um, see, what's our show from Amazon? I can't, Oh, the boys. And then what your thoughts yeah. are on this season. I can't wait to hear that, Dom. We might even have to do a re-review show uh, <laughs> once, you, once you finish both of those um, because they were easily yeah. the best of the year. I mean, easily geek-wise, they were the best of the year. And that's hard for me to say because Titan season two was phenomenal. Um, but The Witcher crept in and was like, hold on. And then the boys was like, hold my beer. So I'm like, it was a great year for Disney. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Tia or AJ, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add for season one of The Witcher? No. I was just going to say, oh, I was just really quick going to say that John Bernthal, Tom Hardy, and Henry Cavill can just join a little group called Grunters Anonymous, and it'd be (laughs) fantastic. I'd watch it. I'd watch an hour of it. (laughs) I'd tell you right now, I'd watch a full series of them just doing, like, um, you know, cutting wood, fishing, stuff like that, and like their only form of communication is to grunt. I'd watch a full series of that, nonstop, yeah. straight through. I'd watch a full series of that. I'd even want it in an audible version so it could help me sleep at night. That's how much I enjoy some grunt. It's a grunt fest. It's a grunt fest. I love it. Um, but all right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit. Star Wars Episode Nine, Tia, if you would like to mute um, us, you absolutely can, or, or take a quick break, come right back. Um, this movie was really good. I, I think if you liked The Last Jedi, um, I think you liked this. I think if you didn't like The Last Jedi, you were going to find a way to not like this. Um, but 
I think in the end, I think J.J. Abrams did the best he could to end um, not just his trilogy, um, but essentially all of the trilogies he found a way to end. Um, before I, I – I'm not going to go into my review because I want you and Dom to have as much time as possible, A.J., um, but one thing I wanted to say to you, AJ, did you hear the one voice you knew I was looking to hear um, when you heard all the force flow through Ray? Was it uh, Anakin? Was that what you talking no. about? No. Who do, who do you think I wanted to hear more than anything, AJ? Let's see if you can guess it. Ahsoka? Ahsoka? You got them right, AJ. I heard uh, Ahsoka uh, almost jumped wait, out of wait, my seat. But first, when when um when the war was happening, when the guy when the lady said um sky trash, I honestly as soon as they said sky, I screamed, and then they said um the sky trash. I was like, nope, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say it shocked me. They not only got Ahsoka. They freaking got Kanan. They got Freddie Prince Jr. up in there. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, Rebels, Clone Wars, it's all together. Um, I was so excited because I remember hearing people say, like, Ahsoka was in the movie. And I'm like, no way in hell J.J. Abrams is going to go that meta. Like, no way. You know what that tells us, though? You know what that tells us, though? What? That she's dead. That she's dead. Oh, 100%. Right. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. I don't want. I don't want her to die. I want her to stay alive and just. Uh. Well, I was. Mm. I'm okay with her dying. I just would like to see that time period. Like, does she die? Um, you know, how long after Rebels did she die? Um, did she die in Rebels and we just didn't know it? It was an off the screen kind of thing. Like, there's a lot I would like to know about no, it. That's something um, we need to see. That's something we need to see. Not. No, I'm with speculate. you. I'm that's something we need to see. I am completely with you. I would be completely fine with an Ahsoka series. Um, but it seems like, AJ, only me and you truly care about Ahsoka. Me, you, and um, Dave Filoni seem to be the only ones that care about <laughs> Ahsoka. Um, but no, it, when I heard that, because here's the thing. Once you started hearing voices, right? Like You can ask Joel. He looked at me weird as hell. I scooted up in my seat and like put my ear like closer to the screen. And, like, he was just looking at me weird. And I'm like, yo, I got to see if Ahsoka is one of these voices. And since there aren't many female Jedi, um, you could distinctively hear her. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. because I was listening for her, it helped me hear her better. Um, But as soon as I heard her, AJ, I was like, I didn't need to see anything else from this movie. That sold me. That was it. Ten out of ten. You got me. Because if you had the wherewithal to put the animated show in this movie, I love it. But anyway, I'm sorry. I promise I wouldn't go long. I'm sorry. Um, AJ, I'll start with you. As the resident Star Wars analyst, um, break, <laughs> tell me uh, your thoughts on, on this movie. Okay. First, I have to say this. After Avengers Endgame, I have decided to give all of my movies two scores. One for entertainment value and one for critical value. For Avengers Endgame, I gave it a 10 out of 10, a perfect score. Um, I think that before um, Ride of Skywalker, that was the only entertainment value I gave a 10 out of 10 to. 
And then Rise of Skywalker came. And the entertainment value for that was a 10 out of 10 as well. Probably even higher. I'm going like 20 out of 10. Uh, I love this movie with passion. Uh, I love that J.J. did, he basically said, fuck you, to all of the so-called hardcore Star Wars fans that's on the internet. And he also said, this is for all the so-called hardcore Star Wars fans. So he, <laughs> well, let me explain. For um, Kylo Ren and Rey, they gave him, spoiler alert, I should say. Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren and Rey kiss. I loved it. <laughs> Most of my theater did not like it. I'm going to say right up front, I love that scene. Uh, Wait, AJ. Hold on, AJ. Huh? I had I had Joel and his fiance dying laughing. I was like, yo, how crazy would it have been if Kylo Ren's last, last like, his dying wish to Ray, like, he leans over and Ray's like, he's going to say, like, I love you or something, and he's like, don't date black. Like, that was his last dying wish. <laughs> you just see Finn show up. <laughs> Finn's like, Ray, I got to tell you something. And she's like, if it's to ask me out, sorry, Kylo Ren's dying wish is that I didn't date black. So, like, you're out, you're out of it, man. Like, I was like, how hilarious. Like we need a skit of that because that shit would be hilarious. You just have him go, don't sleep black, Ugh. and then just dies. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, AJ. Okay. Uh, what was that? Okay, the title actually. I want to start off with the title. The title, Rise of Skywalker. I actually thought it was well deserved. Um, throughout the movie, some movie titles aren't well deserved, and throughout the movie, but for this, I thought it was well-deserved. I know most people are going to complain that Rey, spoiler alert, is a Skywalker, or quote-unquote Skywalker. She adopted the name, which is totally fine with me. That's nothing new, even in our real world, per se, that most people will adopt the name that they, that the um, parents or whatever as like, taught them things or made them feel comfortable in their household and stuff like that. Um, just like what Luke said, that there's something sicker than blood. Uh, I believe that. Um, some things you just need more, like, love and affection and all of that. It's, I just feel like the Rise of Skywalker title was perfect because Ray for me at least, is a Skywalker because of the things that Luke taught her, taught her, um, Leia taught her, and even Ben, <laughs> even Ben that helped her at the end of the movie and sometimes throughout the whole, um, throughout the series. So I just felt like it was well-deserved. Um, now me... seeing, huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you can go. I was gonna say, let me ask you this because I've been I've been sleeping on this for a while. Is it just me, or did you feel like she became a great Jedi? No, I don't. I don't think she became a great Jedi. I think I think she just started to believe in her own destiny, or started to create a way for her own destiny. I think she is gonna be a Jedi, not a great Jedi. I don't think there's no for me. There's no such thing as a great Jedi for like movie. For the movie versions and all that, there's really no such thing as a great Jedi. It's just light and dark, yeah. and that's all. 
Right, but the reason why I asked that, well, one, my biggest issue was where the hell did she get the the uh, the crystal to make the new lightsaber that she has? That was my first issue, and the reason why I say gray Jedi is because unless I'm unless I got this wrong, and please do correct me if if I do, gray Jedi were very much in the middle. They weren't light. They weren't dark. They just knew that both sides had potential to be corrupt. So the best way yeah, to but... avoid any of that was to just be right in the middle, right in the middle. Whatever values you held is the values that you, you upheld. Um, I kind of felt like that's where she ended, to where she saw the worst of the worst become the best of the best in Kylo. She's like, you could see the dark become the light, the light become the dark. What if I avoid both? Um, and I felt like she was a very good blend of whatever right middle of that was. So that's why I assume yeah, great that, Jedi. That's the that's same with Mace Windu, though. That's the same with... Qui-Gon Jinn, they all believe that you can dabble into the dark side, but at the same time, you can do things for good and believe that the Force will do, um, sorry, the Force will not do what they want you to do, but um, they believe that you can you can dabble into the dark side and in the light side. When I, when I think of uh, Grey Jedi, I don't really think that it's actually a person or anything per se. I think it's just the force. So, like, you have creatures like the Bindu or the wolf that believe the force is just the force. There's no good, there's no bad, there's nothing. The force is just the force. Um, so, with great the Great Jedi, I just I just think for movie purposes, I just think that you're either a Jedi or you're either not a Jedi. I guess. I, I really don't know how to explain it right now. I actually had to think about that even more so as well. We can probably make another podcast on that by itself. Um, but anyway, I just love... The one thing I actually hated, not hated for the movie, but hated for actually Kathleen Kennedy and <laughs> and um, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams um, is that the chemistry between Ray, Poe, and Finn were perfect. And basically, we only got that for... We only got them together for Rise of Skywalker. And we we didn't get any of that chemistry. All, for all three of them, we didn't get any of that chemistry between Force Awakens or Last Jedi. And honestly, I am upset that we couldn't see more of that because the chemistry between those three and even Chewbacca and um, Chewy, or I think even on par with the original cast, which a lot of people are going to hate me for that, but I thought their chemistry, their love, their friendship, and all that was on par with Han Solo, Leia, and Luke Skywalker, and I just wanted to see more of that. Um, the fight choreography, I thought, was a lot better than Last Jedi, even though I did enjoy The Last Jedi fight choreography, there are some major issues with the choreography, I will say, um, critically. Um, so that the visuals always perfect in Star Wars movies, the sound design always perfect. The score I loved it. Perfect as always. Basically the only thing I had a problem with is what is the the pacing. The pacing of the story, I didn't really 
care for it. They just kept cutting to one shot to another shot to another scene, sorry. Cutting to another scene to another scene so quickly without letting anything breathe or anything. That was basically the only problem I had with the movie. So, like I said, entertainment value, I thought it was like a 10 out of 10. Um, if I were to, like, review it, review it, I'd probably give it about, like, a 7 out of 10. Maybe a 8. I'll say 8 I, out of 10. Yeah. I'll say this, and I'll say this just has not been a year for me. Um, I'm a huge Black Order fan, and they use the Black Order, like, uh, the Mud Putties from Power Rangers. Um, I was also a huge fan of the Knights of Ren. Use the Knights of Ren worse than they use the Black Order. At least the Black Order were like a force. Um, the Knights of Ren were kind of like, all right, well, remember how we told you guys they exist? Well, we're just showing you them. Um, and my biggest issue was, remember that fight scene between the Knights of Ren and Kylo at the end? Didn't yeah. Luke say that Kylo and the Knights of Ren were from his Jedi Academy? Why the hell didn't they have the force? Like, wh- why was it Ky- when Kylo used the Force, they were like, oh, what? Like, didn't you learn about that? Like, you came from the school. I, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I, did, I don't did he, really, did he say that the natural Ren were from the Academy? I just thought that. Yes. He said yes. That. No. No, in The Last Jedi, his exact words were, Kylo left and took a few of the students with him. So we assume that those those students became the Knights of Ren. Like, he didn't make it clear who the Knights of Ren were. You just assumed that. Because he said he took some of the students with him when he left. So it was like, well, wouldn't those be the Knights of Ren? Like, why would he just take students and then ditch them? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they, maybe they weren't that strong in the Force compared to Kylo Ren. Because, you know, if one Force user is stronger, like, a hundred times stronger than another Force user, then it's, it's null. The force between the stronger force user it just overpowers the rest. Just like in um, Clone Wars, we see Yoda and um, Ventress. You just see right. Yoda Very just take... Yeah. yeah. You just see but, Yoda just overpower her. Just but they were like... Doing, not doing much. She's just that much like, stronger. There were like four of them, though. So you're like, you guys couldn't use the force to get... I don't know. It just bothers me because it just seemed like... JJ just omitted the fact that Ryan Johnson had in there that the Knights of Ren were from that academy. It was just weird. That bothered me a lot. It still will. And yeah. it also bothered me that we couldn't see the Knights of Ren. There, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of issues with it. And I actually do blame Kathleen Kennedy for part of that because she didn't plan all of it out. She just said, "Hey, do you direct this? Go do it." That's about it. And if they didn't like well, it, they just quit and <laughs> go on well, to another no. director. Well, no, hold on, and I'm going to go right to you, Dom. I don't blame her, and this is why. Um, my bigger issue was when you found out that you wanted three different directors, right? The jobs of those directors are to all get together and go, are we going to tell one cohesive story, or are we going to tell a story that blends together? Um, and That's I think, part of her job, too. She has to be in that, all of that process. It's, just yeah, not, but it's not just the directors and all that. It's her, too. If you're Kathleen Kennedy, who has made it very clear her knowledge of Star Wars is not that vast, um, she's more of the business side of Star Wars. That's why you need guys mm-hmm. like Favreau and, and Filoni and, and guys like that. Um, so she's made that clear. So that's why, again, I don't blame her. She is the, the profit side of it. So 
she probably isn't like, yeah, fans will get upset about how how vastly different The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker are. She's like, it's, is it going to make money? Yeah, all right, let's do it. So I'm like, I put that more on, if you're J.J. Abrams, did you not have a conversation with Ryan Johnson before The Last Jedi? And then did you not have another conversation with him before Rise of Skywalker? So you're she, on the same she has to be more. She has to be more like Kevin Feige, though. She, he, he cares about the money side, but he also cares about the characters. And you, sure, I know that's going to be like a huge problem for me to say, but here's the true. thing, though. No, we have to understand there will never, ever in the history of Everdome be another person like Kevin Feige. He's passionate. He's very passionate on both sides. Um, when you look at someone like Kathleen Kennedy, who makes it clear, I know Star Wars. I just don't know a lot about Star Wars. That then shows you. Yeah, she, she has to learn. She, she, she has, if she wants to make as Her much money as she money. wants, she has to learn. Her job is to make money, and as much as people hated yeah. the uh, the Last Jedi, it made money. So she's like, okay, I don't okay. care. Let, let's, <laughs> let, let's say this. Let's say this. Would you rather learn more about the product that you want so it can make more money than not knowing? See, if you want to make as much money as you can get, you have to learn that that story, right? AJ, if I open up a restaurant uh, not knowing how to cook, but people are still coming to my establishment and spending money, sure, you can make the case that if my food tasted better, I could get more people. But if I feel as though I'm making good enough money doing what I'm doing, I get very content. I'm cool. I'm I, I'm good. People are going to show up regardless. It's Star Wars. It's like Batman. People are going to show up regardless. There's not much you have to do. There's really not yeah. much you have to do. They're going to show up. So if I'm Kathleen Kennedy, going, if I'm a numbers person, my numbers are really good. Han Solo didn't make Star Wars money, but made more money than an average movie would. So she's like, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> like... This is the life, but um, let, let, let's go down before we take all of Dom's time away. Uh, <laughs> Dom, uh, what were your thoughts on Rise of Skywalker? Uh, so my uh, initial uh, beef was the same as AJ's. I thought the, the pacing was kind of off because um, I would have preferred them to do a, you know, three-hour movie. Especially when, when you're, you're concluding a 40-plus year journey, if you make the movie three and a half hours long, I will be okay with it. Um, because, like, same thing AJ said, is it kind of makes it to where you can't really get any, like, dynamic emotion um, out of the characters because you are cutting so quickly. And, and I I kind of I get kind of why they did it as far as, like, you wanted everything to seem so urgent because they only had so little time to stop, you know, the the final uh, was it the final order from from happening. I get it, but I, I would have preferred it to <laughs> slow down a little bit. Uh, I will say that um, I, I I don't I don't like hearing a Wookiee cry. It is very sad, the saddest shit <laughs> that I've heard in a while. Um, but no, yeah, the 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 chemistry was really great. I like the uh, the whole weird like love triangle thing that was going on, like it's like, do you you both love Daisy or do you guys like each other or everybody? Is this a polyamorous thing? Or I don't know what's really going on. Uh, 
and I like the you know the classic. We get classic CTPO kind of being annoying, but kind of right all at the same time. Uh, I wish they would have done a little bit more with like uh, Daisy flirting with like the dark side or or her maybe accepting that it's gonna happen when we get the her in the Death Star with the um, the double double blade lightsaber. I wish that would have lasted a little bit longer. They could have done more to maybe kind of yeah. develop that just a tad more. Um, because, you know, I remember seeing the the pre uh, the trailer and we seeing that her with the double-sided lightsaber, I was like, okay, they got to do some, some good with this and what's going to happen. And then it was like, oh, that that was it. We got like three seconds. And, you know, then she gets into her, her fight scene. But, um, yeah, they could have done more with that. But I thought overall it's, it was such a fun movie. Um, I mean, in my theater, people were clapping, and then they initially went to lightsaber fights in the in the theater. Um, and I mean, like the the fight scenes were so good. Like the the far shots of them fighting on like a a, a sink, basically a sinking old ship, and with the water, and them using the like the the full. Oh, I'm not gonna say full, but they're a huge extent of the force to like do all these great jumps and it was so good. Um, yeah. It, it, the only way for them to make it, I mean, they could have been better is for it to be longer because longer means more detail that they could have done. But with the, the time that they did, I mean, I can't complain too much, man. It was such a, it was such a fun movie. It was a good, and I know people probably didn't want it to kind of, almost have a bow wrapped up, wrapped around it, but I mean, endings are hard to do, and I think they did a, a decent job, especially with, like, you know, I don't want to spoil it too much for, for listeners, but the finding out, you know, who Ray is, you know, related to, and um, also, I think, I feel like the Rise of Skywalkers have, like, the, when talking about the title, I feel like it had, like, a double meaning, with Ray and with um, with Kylo, um, so I, I feel like you could possibly you could pick and choose on which one you thought it, the, the title's deserving more of, but I feel like it, it kind of belongs to both of them. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was great. It was super. It was it was super good. To where there's not many movies that I see and initially want to watch it again, and that was definitely one that right afterwards I was like. If it wasn't so late, I probably would have gone to another theater to watch it again. Yeah, I, I would say my only issue was I think if you're JJ, you missed an opportunity. First of all, my issue in every Star Wars movie that, except for Revenge of the Sith, is stop having movies with Jedi and you don't have at least five different scenes with lightsaber battles. Like that's my yeah, big. Yeah. I hate. I despise that. I really despise that. Um, yeah. like it, it, it's so stupid. Like I, I'm fine with movies not having with Star Wars movies not having Jedi. I'm cool with that. I'm not one of those people like every Star Wars movie should have a lightsaber. No, but when you do have a lightsaber, it should be more than the few scenes. So I think yeah. they did miss a great opportunity to have um Sidious have a moment to where he manipulates Ray, and Ray fights um Ben. I think they missed yeah. a great moment in that to where you could have used that moment to have Kylo kind of sacrifice himself to free Ray and then have Ray 
kind of save the day to where she defeats the um the emperor. Um, I, I think it would have hit a lot more because what you're trying to say, um, what you're trying to do is a female driven story, right? So the one thing you don't want to do is where the guy has to save the, you know what I'm saying? So it's like if yeah, Kylo yeah, yeah. free her. And then she's the one to deliver the final blow, even though that's technically what she did anyway. Um, I just think it robbed us of a great lightsaber battle to where you could have had it to where um, Sidious kind of manipulated her. So his whole knowledge of knowing how to fight with a lightsaber could have been through her. And we could have gotten a really great um, battle between her and Kylo um, that ultimately ends with Kylo, you know, freeing her or whatever. I just wanted more lightsaber battles. But, of course, that's what happens okay. when... Go ahead. Okay, so we're taking a break after Rise of Skywalker, right? We're taking, like, a two-, three-year, four-year break. Um, within that time, I really want them to focus on um, on the Sith and Jedi more so than just the Rebellion and the First Order and all of that. I just want them to... Sit down, think of a way to just tell a story of the Jedi and the Sith and their mythology within all of that. Because most people do not know like the mythology of the Jedi, the Sith, and even in, in between the Great Jedi and all of that. No one really knows that story unless you like watch the cartoons or read the comics or read the books. Very uh, really, and I just think that within that timeline, you can get more mythology, more story, more emotion, honestly, than what we've been getting, even though I have been loving what we have been getting from Star Wars. Yeah, I just wanted, I, I just wanted I, to focus more on Jedi. And so. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but their next story definitely needs to be Knights of the Old Republic because to me, it's a win-win. It gives you Game of Thrones meets Star Wars, it gives you all the visuals. It gives you all the fighting that you want to see. And it gives you a great story. Um, and I want a story of um, the cis point of view. I want to see how, yes. uh, I want to see what motivates them. I want to see what drives them. I want to see what it takes to actually be a cis. Because I don't think we've actually kind of really, you know, honed in on that. Because every cis we keep seeing has some kind of internal struggle. Like, think about it. Think about it, Vader. Internal struggle. Kylo, internal <laughs> struggle. Darth Maul, before he can really kind of develop as a character, they cut him in half. So it's like, I want to see an actual Sith Lord who, like, you can't say, like, hey, remember your wife from, like, 80,000 years ago? Well, I'm going <laughs> to kidnap her if you don't do what I say. He's going to be like, all right, cool. Bring her here. I'll kill her myself. Like, I don't care. Like, I want that kind of Sith Lord who's just dark to his core. There's nothing you can do to water him down. Um, which is why I, I want Darth Malgus. Give me Darth Malgus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I also want I want a Sith Lord that doesn't <laughs> lose in like two seconds of the meeting with the hero. Like, That'd be great. <laughs> with Palpatine. Pal- he, he loses by Darth Vader throwing him off a cliff. And <laughs> we... We really we always get these like stories of how strong they were and all of that, but once the end happens, they lose in like two seconds. I, yeah, <laughs> it really pisses but, me off um, with all the Star Wars movies. 
No, I, I'm with you, man. But let's, uh, Tia, you you there? I am here. All right, perfect. So before the show ends, because I do want to hear from you, because that was a lot of me, AJ, and, and, and Dom just geeking out. We're, guys, we're going to do a longer <laughs> show about Star Wars, so don't worry. This isn't this isn't the, the last you'll hear about that. But really quickly, I want to do a rapid fire. Tia, I want to start off with you. What are your thoughts on the possibility that we could be getting Daniel Radcliffe as Moon Knight for Disney Plus's new show, Moon Knight? <laughs> I'm not that excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't blame you, Tia. I, I see Daniel Radcliffe the same way I see um, Robert Pattinson. So I'm like, I, I'll give him a chance. I'll give him a chance. I do know that they are more than what they come from. Um, so that excites me to see them play darker characters, but it wouldn't have been my, it wouldn't have been anywhere in my top five. Um, it's but, not uh, the Harry Potter thing that's holding me back from it, but I'll, I'll just say that. I don't, yeah, you can, you can ask AJ and Tom. No, 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 no. I, I, I completely get where you're coming from. Mine's more so, it's not what I was looking for in my moon night, but I mean, it, yeah, could, exactly. it could surprise me. I mean, then again, Chris Hemsworth, became Thor, and I had no idea who that guy was. So, I mean, it's like, surprises happen all the time. Um, but, um, Dom, your, your thoughts on uh, Daniel Radcliffe being looked at for maybe being uh, Moon Knight? Uh, I'm open to it. Um, he doesn't strike me as a very, um, uh, I mean, he can, I know he, can, he has an acting range, but he doesn't strike me as a very, like, intimidating, forceful type of person. And he's a little fella. He's going to have to do a lot of bulking up to... Yes play this role. Yeah. Yeah, well, so is Robert Pattinson because I hated Bale's Batman for being skinny, so I need a lot more muscle. I need less than Ben, but more than Bale, so find a way in between that. Um, but AJ, you're uh, I love it. <laughs> I, I love, if this is true, I love the casting. Um, I just think he's a, like Dom said, he is a great overround um, um, good actor. Uh, this is going to be, I think, if this is going to be true, I think this is definitely going to be Robert Pattinson all over again. Um, many people don't really know much about Daniel Radcliffe besides the Harry Potter Harry Potter movies. Um, but for me, at least, Kevin Feige has not, has yet to, like, prove me wrong with actors. Every every time we get like a new actor we haven't heard of or we thought wasn't a good fit for it, look, <laughs> he he he's proved us wrong time um, time and time again with like Robert Pattinson as Iron Man, Chris Hemsworth as um Thor, Samuel Jackson as um Nick Fury. Um, so I have confidence in Daniel Radcliffe. I have confidence in the MCU. With this, if this choice is true, um, so overall, 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 I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'd say the only, the only, uh, the only advantage that Feige would have in this situation is not a lot of people know who Moon Knight is. So it's like the, the outcry of Batman was that people wanted a specific Batman, and it wasn't that. So that's why they hated Robert Pattinson. But it's not a lot of people know who Moon also, Knight is. Also, if you want like a dark. Also, if you want like a dark Robert Pattinson, go see Imperium. Very true. Very good point. All right, really quickly, very, very quickly. 
Um, James Cameron believes Avatar 2 will reclaim the box office title. Uh, Tia, please tell me why James Cameron should stop talking. <laughs> because it's just not going to happen. <laughs> right. Dom, please tell me why James Cameron is stupid. I don't think um, people are as big as fans of that movie as he thinks. Yeah. I would agree. <laughs> AJ, please explain to James Cameron why um, uh, succeeded because of 3D. He is a smart idiot. <laughs> there you go. I, I, think this, I think this is the year for smart filmmakers to just talk stupidness. <laughs> it's just everyone that's smart and this in filmmaker are either just talking because they're jealous of another filmmaker and it just annoys me. <laughs> it, it annoys me. Too. They just need to learn how to shut up. <laughs> I would agree. But all right, guys, we got we had another great show. I want to thank AJ, Dom, and Tia for joining me. We had a great show today. We got through almost all of our topics. We only had two left, but those two we can get to another week. Um, they're somewhat kind of new and old news. But thank you guys for joining me for an all-new episode, and we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. Thanks, guys. <laughs>